Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. You are listening to Tennis Channel Live, the podcast on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. We've got the game, the names, and the insight you need to stay covered on all the courts. All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Tennis Channel Live podcast on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Mitch Michaels here for another weekly show with our guest this week, the veteran Nico Pereira, hailing out of Venezuela, 20-year pro sportscaster as well as tennis players well nico thanks for joining the show it is my pleasure man been waiting for the invite we've we've tried to get you on this is great <laughs> we're, we're live in the studio again this week a great show it's february and this is the month where a lot of players are, are making their living and, and playing in a lot of different events a lot of different continents different surfaces of play it's a fun time of year i think the diehards especially understand how important this is I love this time of year. Right after the first slam, the, the players have their legs under them. They got ready in the offseason. A lot of the guys do not get the payoff from that work until a few weeks after. So you're seeing them at their best. You know, they have taken care of their injuries, hopefully, and you don't see many, many players that are very tired. On the other hand, you see the hope of the youngsters. You see the hope of the old-timers, you know, maintaining their position and is so diverse in the ladies and the gentlemen this time of year. And as you mentioned, playing in, in different continents. And I love it because they're jockeying for position coming into the, the swing here in, in, in the United States and the hard court. And then obviously towards the next slam in Paris in the month of May. This is where, as you said, a younger player can make an impact, can make a name for themselves, get on the radar of the tennis world. And you could set yourself up, right, for a great year. You play well in February in a smaller tournament, win a title, even make a deep run. That could be great for your spring, for your summer, really set your year up proper. Definitely. You look at Rublev with a couple of titles to start the year, did not have a great Australian Open, but he feels he has that base that he can squander a couple of results and he still will have a chance to finish with a career high. I'm looking for him to be in the top 10 in, in the next couple of months because he did not play well at the beginning of 2019. And that's just one example. You know, the dreams are, are alive. No year has been set in stone. You have, as I mentioned, the hope of the players and, and the dreams that uh, you see it in their eyes when they play, and, and their legs are usually fresh at this time of year. I like it. Rublev is actually in our show later. We talk about him on TC Live this week. Some of the best segments this week from TC Live. We're going to start, though, with the Fed Cup. We had the qualifiers this past week, and Everett Washington, the USA women. It was a little dicey. It seemed like it was going to be a nice, smooth sailing to the final. They ended up needing that fifth rubber and the doubles. Here is the crew on TC Live, Steve Weissman, Lindsey Davenport, and Paul Anacom breaking down what happened for Team USA? Where they go now making the Fed Cup final? What a moment. I mean, to be up 2-0 and then lose both singles matches, have it come down to the doubles. This team was stacked. Serena, Coco didn't even play. Uh, Ali Rist didn't even <laughs> play Riss either. No, play. It's, it's remarkable. I think what we could tell by watching it was what a team that these ladies were together. 
And a lot of credit to everybody on the team. They were all out there cheering. It seemed like they all knew their place and who was going to play and what it meant. You had Bethany, who snuck back out for the end of Serena's match. Serena, who was sitting there watching. I love the moments at the end of the match. These ladies were thrilled to get through to qualify for the Fed Cup finals. But it, it meant a lot to everybody on the team, and you could tell. It was awesome. And, Paul, Sophia Kennan just looks like a different, more confident individual right now since winning the Australian Open title. I tell you, it's always amazing to see with a young player how they're going to react after they win a major like that and to have to turn around so quickly and to come here and play a match like that, you think she's going to be flying high. But then what happens when there's adversity? And she saw that adversity on the last day by losing the singles match. So to see her get back on the court with a veteran like Bethany Maddox-Sands, I think was a huge benefit. Helped stabilize. You know what you're going to get with Beth Bethany. She's going to be really positive. And Kennan did a great job rebounding from a tough singles match and getting right into the dubs. And her energy was phenomenal all week. There might have been some players that win a major and just kind of, oh, that was too good, right. or just kind yeah. of sit on their heels. I mean, she was practicing all week with intensity. You saw it in her opening match, lots of fist pumps. She was devastated to lose the opening rubber on Saturday. It, it, it was amazing. I mean, she has that will. She has that heart that it's not good enough. She's going to keep going. Now, maybe she won't play as well all the time as she did in Australia, but she's going to keep working to try and make that happen again. Absolutely. Credit. Captain Kathy Rinaldi, who has been behind Sophia Kennan from the start. I mean, we, we were like, Sophia, Sonia, just call her champ, right? Because <laughs> that's what she is right now. Kennan uh, helping with Bethany Maddox. They won in China last year, got to the third round of the Australian Open, so very familiar with one another, getting that doubles victory. Lindsay, now the finals are in April. This has never been done before when it comes to Fed Cup. What do you make of that? Yeah, it's interesting. They're doing 12 teams. I don't love round-robin groups of three. I really wish it would be round-robin groups of four. The good news for Kathy Rinaldi is she has so many players to choose from. That hasn't always been the case. But a very stacked team, and I think that team in Everett, Washington, they really showed their heart into Fed Cup. You know, the biggest thing to me is going to be who shows up, who not just for the U.S., but for everybody. Yeah, Who's exactly. going to be there? And then it's much more easy to try to figure out who uh, is going to be favored and who isn't. But like you said, for Team USA and for Kathy, she's got a lot to choose from. Yeah. <laughs> the draws come out tomorrow. We will have those for you here on Tennis Channel. You've played Fed Cup. You've won Fed Cup. April, Fed Cup over. Do you like it? Do you not like it? I like it if the alternative was Fed Cup in November, because it, it used to be that there'd be six or seven months and Fed Cup was just on the shelf, and then all of a sudden it's the final. <laughs> it seems early in the year to end it, but uh, if the other choice was to end it after the season, it seems a lot gets lost at that time of year. Players want to go to the offseason. Um, we'll have to see how it goes. They haven't played the finals in one week. The last year, I think we did that, was 1994 in Germany. We mm -hmm. played all the teams together at one site. So we'll see. The men did it in Davis Cup last year. It, the challenge is when the home country's not playing, how many fans are there supporting the other countries and the other teams, especially the non-European countries? It's going to be tough to see a lot of fans in the stands for some of the other countries. It'll be interesting, too, because Charleston ends April 12th. This begins April 14th. Sophia Cannon, as well as Madison Keys. Oh, hold on, as Ash Barty. I mean, there's so many players playing Charleston that are also in there. It'll be a, a maybe there's a jet going Sunday night. <laughs> Charleston to Budapest. To Budapest? Yeah. The, Fed, the Fed Cup jet. Yeah, exactly. They, the ITF should send one. That's right. they got plenty of money. I see a sponsorship <laughs> possibility. Yeah. What do you think, Paul, of putting Davis Cup, which we had the new format this past year, and Fed Cup together, combining them, these two ITF events, 
And when would you put it? Well, I, I like the combination of all the events. I think I'd like to see all the events put together. You probably can't do it with Labor Cup, but the other events, ATP Cup, Fed Cup, and Davis Cup combining, make it one event, make it one business entity with a, with a uh, CEO, then have a, a partnership with all the different uh, governing bodies that own that, an equal partnership, and then run it as one business, have a 10-day event one time each year, and uh, let them all play together, men and women. But so you're combining ATP Cup with the yep. Davis Cups and yep. the Fed Cups. I'm getting crazy. Getting okay. Crazy. <laughs> Just I want to put it all the calendar. <laughs> I want to free up the calendar. All right. I want more weeks in the calendar. Not I, less. I like it. That, that's Paul's dream. What's yours? Oh wow. Um, it seemed insane that we went from what was it five or six weeks from the end of the Davis Cup to the start of the ATP Cup. It's it blew my mind that that somehow got passed. That there's a lot of people looking out for themselves, as Paul said. One, one governing body overlooking all of it would probably be best, but there's a lot of entities in this sport, and it just never seems like maybe the player's interest or the player's schedule is at the first or the top of their list. How do we get them to play better? How do we get the best product from them? Um, but, yeah, it just seems like there's way too many team events. And you would think, what are, what are our greatest events, our, our marquee events, the four majors? What are those? Combined events. Yeah. Yeah. And we lost the Hopman Cup, which had done been so incredibly successful the last few years in Perth. That was a shame to see that one go. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. All right, so Team USA wins 3-2 over Latvia. After nearly, I can say, after nearly blowing it, right, Nico? They were up 2-0, they were fine, then Ken and Serena both lose, and suddenly you need to get to that final rubber where Bethany Maddox stands a double specialist along with Sophia Kennan really delivers. So shows you that fifth rubber, especially in these qualifying rounds, it, it's pretty dicey and it can be pretty intense on the drop of a hat. I love that format, that they play the four singles first and they decide in the doubles, kudos to the WTA, the ITF, excuse me, for that one. And yes, definitely, but I would love to have Bethany Matic Sands on my team any day defining a series. I mean, that girl has a heart as big as Texas. I love it. And uh, Sophia Cannon, I think, you know, she's understated or under-recognized. <laughs> of course, she won the Australian Open, but they don't make as big a deal about her here in the States for some reason, but I just think she's, you know, the best fighter out there. What a spirit. And she has the game to go with it. So the the American team could not have two better players representing them in that deciding point. But having Serena on your team because of who she is, because of what she represents, even if she lost her first match in, in Fed Cup, it's still a big plus for, for that whole team, and, and deservingly so, the U.S. won. So the U.S. is one of 12 teams uh, that makes the final, Budapest-Hungary. Similar to the Davis Cup, it's actually going to be in April, April 14th to 19th, where it's going to be 12 teams all in the same place, three groups, the U.S. in a group with France, Australia, and the Czech Republic, and there's only going to be three rubbers, two singles, and a doubles tie. Before we get to the team selection, Nico, do you like that format? I mean, I know there's been a lot of controversy and talk about changing it up, but the fact that it's one week and there's less matches. Are you a fan of that? Well, the thing is that we have to adapt to the times. The schedules have grown. The players' commitments outside tennis 
have grown. And if we want to have the biggest names, that's a sacrifice that we, we have to have. Like in the ATP Cup, like in Davis Cup, there's going to be some tinkering that, that needs to be done. Let's see. Let's see how it plays out. I like the 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 three the four groups of three teams and that each winner goes on. There's going to be some some close decisions there, you know, maybe down to the to the games one because it could it could be very tight in in that type of format. But let's see how it plays out. I I certainly think there are enough good teams in it to make it very interesting. I do miss the home ties. I think you got to see the atmosphere of what it was like to play in front of your home country. I get that we have to try something different with the commitments and that players were kind of not able to make all the commitments. And, and I'm willing to give it a shot, as you said. Uh, and, and the less matches makes it more exciting right from the from the get-go. I'm just interested for what differs between the Fed Cup and Davis Cup, the timing, the schedule being in April. That's where I'm a little, I don't want to say concerned, but I'm intrigued to see how this is going to work and who's going to be willing to play a month before, essentially a month before the French Open. You're, you're pretty much starting off clay court season. Will that get the number of players, the top players for each country? Well, not only that, you have to consider how much the public is going to take to it. Mm -hmm. You know, a, a, an event like that in April, how much attention is it going to catch from the local markets? After all, yes, there is crowds going to the matches, but the big crowd, the money mover is is the TV or the streaming. So that's going to be the needle of, of where, the, where they're going to keep it or not. And I feel, again, there can be some tinkering, but the schedule. You know, it's so full that whenever you, you have a good week, you know, that it might stick, you, you try it. And if it doesn't work, well, you come back in 2021 and try it again. But it's all for the good of the game. And as long as everybody understands that and, and feeds some, some some positive thoughts and, and, and some positive input, I think tennis is headed in the right direction. I guess they're banking on more player interest in April as opposed to December when players might have checked out and tried to get that brief off season and, and just rest there. But well, you have to go to the big names. You have yeah. to see, you know, the the, the Pliskovas, the, the Muguruzas, the Serena Williams, of course, and Barty and Andrescu. That's where they go, and they go right after the, the hardcore season in the U.S. The two big tournaments, and then there is there is a bit of of a wiggle room there before Paris. How many tournaments of preparation are you going to play? Are you a clay court player? You know, some of the girls that are up top, and, I, and I'm not going to get into names, are, you know, prefer not to play yeah. on the clay. So they're willing to cut their clay court schedule in preparation to Paris in order to play a prestigious event like the Fed Cup. So looking at Team USA, essentially we're looking at three, four, three main roster spot players I agree with you. Bethany Maddox-Sands has to be on the team for that doubles tie. <laughs> I think I think that is so crucial for that. Who would you pick, and who do you think will play? It looks like Kenan and Serena would be great choices, but do you think they're both going to want to play in April? Well, that's a <laughs> great question for my my beautiful, great friend, Kathy Rinaldi. You know, luckily I'm not in her shoes, but those are some good shoes to be in because I think they're, they're up to 17 uh, Americans in the, in the top 100, and she has... Deep pool. You know, uh, she has a lot to play with, and from here until April, or when she has to designate the team, there is going to be some results. There is going to be, hopefully not, but some injuries, and you're going to see who's who's best for the conditions, who's in, in better shape, because it is going to be a hard event to play in one week. There is going to be singles, doubles, and there is going to be five matches for whoever is going to win that that title, and you have to consider that who's going to be willing to spend the energy 
so close to the next Grand Slam. You cannot afford an injury um, so close, you know, four weeks before Roland Garros. So it is a good question, but I'm lucky Kathy will, will have to answer that. But definitely, you, you'll have to see um, about a cannon that, that is, you know, the, the main the main uh, representative now being the the last the latest Grand Slam winner. You have Bethany, you know, for, for the doubles, and they go well together. And let's see how the team chemistry is by that time, and that's going to be very important. It's a good problem to have, but she will have her hands full deciding ah. which which players to pick. But Kathy's it, a smart smart girl. Yeah, she'll figure it out for sure. Uh, next up on the Tennis Channel Live podcast here with Nico Ferrer, Mitch Michaels. Uh, we're going to talk about two players going in opposite directions. Andre Rublev, 11-1 and one on the year in 2020, is on fire. Our Prakash Armitage talked with him, and then we reacted with a good discussion uh, off of that, as well as the opposite direction, Jack Sock, who hasn't won a match in two years. And uh, it, it's really it's really at a turning point for him. What Where does he go from here? What is next for him? Here are the two discussions on TC Live. Steve Weissman, Paul Anacone, and Lindsey Davenport reacting to the two different players going in two different directions. Talk a little bit about your, your mental this year, because you've really been great. It's been beautiful to watch you. Uh, we'll see. It's not, <laughs> the day is not yet over. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, for the moment, uh, the mental part was much better than last year. Than, uh, so looks like I improved, but we'll see. But because for the moment, everything was coming to my side. I won a lot of matches. I won, like you said, two titles. So we'll see when I will have bad days how I will react because now everything is good so it's easy to react good as well. So we'll see when, when it's going to be bad, bad days. Andre Rublev, 12-1. and one. Speaking of hot to start this season, uh, on his first serve, 20 of 22 today. I mean, how good is this guy? It's been great to see him. First of all, back healthy. He's had a lot of big injuries already in his young career. But it's so fun to see a young player put it all together at this high of level. But as we talked about earlier, consistently. And we've seen other players win one tournament, then decide, oh, whatever, I'm so happy. He has continued to just play his best tennis, bring his a level each and every time he steps on the court. He's not satisfied, and he's going to continue to keep rising. Yeah, it's been fun to watch him. You know, he, a couple of years ago, he lost a really tough match in Washington, D.C. semifinals um, to Demonor, had some match points. He kind of went on a bit of a slump. Then he got hurt. So he had some adversity. He dealt with that as a young player, and he's continued to work really hard. Um, it's been fun to watch him with Fernando Vicente. I was in Europe this fall watching those guys practice a few days indoors. He's very diligent, um, worked extremely hard in the offseason, and the start of this year has been unbelievable. I mean, hits the ball so hard, takes it so early. But like you said, we'll see on the bad day how we do. We'll see how his average day is. But right now, he's looking sharp. So Jack Sock has now lost 10 straight singles matches on both the challenger and main tour level, dating back to last year. Had that thumb surgery, so he missed six months. Last win came at the Labor Cup, Fabio Fonini, but last official win came two years ago at the Paris Masters. No ranking points right now. So I ask you, Paul Anacone, what should Jack do? Should he continue to take wild cards and have some tough matches, whether it's Indian Wells, Miami, Delray Beach in the first round, or does he need to go back to the futures, challenger level, 
have to qualify for those events, perhaps, and just grind your way. Well, I'm going to take a turn from negative town from that graphic and jump right out of negative town and go into positive town. Is that okay, Lindsay? Okay. okay. Was that negative town? That was a little. There was a. It was reality. Yeah. Yeah. Instagram versus reality. Actual, but I love for Jack what he needs to do. I don't think it's that complicated. The hardest thing is going to be to get motivated to play lower level events, but he needs matches. And, and right now, get some matches under his belt. Stay healthy. I don't think it's a bad idea. I would have liked to have seen him play uh, in the Challenger in Newport Beach, maybe, or down in Dallas to get some matches for go before going to New York. I don't know if he was injured or ready to play or not yet. But right now, it's match count. He needs matches under his belt to get comfortable. He's a very natural player. He's very talented. But boy, is it difficult to be injured and then jump right in at tour level when you haven't been there for a long time. So we saw some good tennis, but we saw some bad errors. And to me, that's just being rusty. Yeah, we saw him play at the Labor Cup. We saw him. He played Davis Cup in November as well for Team USA. But you've got to be motivated to play wherever the opportunity is. Maybe it's at a challenger, maybe you get the wild card, you've got to be motivated. You also got to be motivated to put in the long hours on the practice court mm. to get back to the top. Because let me tell you, Novak, Roger, I mean, no one's Rafa. No one's skimping no. on the work. <laughs> They're all, every time they step on the practice court, what do I need to do? How long do I need to be out there? I'm going to do the work. All right, well, we saw flashes last night. Yeah. Need to see some consistency as well. Maybe he gets a wild card into Indian Wells. Maybe we see him get a wild card into qualifying at Indian Wells. That could be a, a better situation. Get some of those wins before making the main draw. All right, so I do want to start with uh, who we just left off with. That was Jack Sock. And this is the guy that made the ATP Finals a couple years ago. Nico hasn't won a match since 2018. And really... You wonder what's next for a guy like that where the wild cards, he got a wild card into the New York Open. It's probably going to dry up at this point. Delray Beach is coming up. But I, I just don't know where a guy in his shoes goes. Do you think his game is improving at all? Paul mentioned that there were some signs of, of encouragement, but looking at where he's been and, and where he's trying to go, do you see that same level of encouragement? I think so. I, I think he's an emotional player. He feeds off of that emotion. That's probably why he didn't choose to start with the challengers and went for mm -hmm. the wild cards in the in the bigger events. He likes the show. He's a guy that likes his crowd. He plays for the crowd, and and that's that's pretty important. He has a lot of self confidence, and he has a big game. He, you know, if he if he gets fit and if he gets, you know, in 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 good physical condition and and doesn't have any injuries, he can beat anybody. You know, uh, even if he doesn't have any points. So I really wish him well. I saw him in that run because I'm a good friend of, of Jay Burgers. I never met Jack, Jack Talk personally, but I saw him during that run where he where he won the back-to-back the, the -back titles from match point down Stockholm and Paris, Paris I believe yeah. it was. And then he got to that to the finals, and he had a, a dream ending there, and it's a pity that he couldn't you know, continue that run and, and just, just make it something permanent. But he's certainly got the game, and, and he doesn't lack... In, in self-confidence, that's no, for sure. No, absolutely not. Uh, and that run, even to the ATP finals, he made the semifinals. So he was he, he had a good showing there. Yep. Uh, you mentioned it. Uh, if he can get himself right and if he can avoid injury, those have been the pitfalls. <clears throat> Physical fitness, what kind of shape is he going to get in and stay in for the rest of the year? Uh, but he does have weapons, which is something that you can't really say about a lot of players in that position, is that the forehand's amazing. And he gets to net. He's one of maybe even the best doubles player in the world we got to see if he's built for the long haul. Because you know the season, it, it's a grind. I mean, we say that time and time again. And to be in the right shape to play all these matches, it's going to be tough for anybody. Well, the thing is that he's, uh, 
he's an important presence on the court, and he's smart. He is very astute when it comes to the little things, the details on the court. And, you know, the players on the other side, I wouldn't say fear him, but, you know, respect him. They know he's, he's dangerous, and he counts on that. And then if you add that to the big serve and that, that hammering forehand, he, he feels, you know, the ball very well inside the court. He does very well with that slice and can bunt it, you know, and can bunt it very well with, with the two-handed backhand. You have a player, and, and it's all in the head. And I certainly see him, you know, going back to the top without, you know, going crazy on predictions if he stays healthy. Well, the other direction is Andre Rublev, 11 and one in 2020, uh, just still just 22 years old, not even 23 yet, ranked 15th in the world of pair titles. One loss this year was to Zverev at the Australian Open. This is a guy that attacked the offseason. And in the clip, what I love the best about him, maybe even more than the weapons he's developed, Nico, is in the interview with Prakash, he says, yeah, I'm doing well right now, but let's see, let's let this maintain. Like, I know there'll be good days, good runs and bad runs. So he's grounded, which is a great thing to have from a young, aspiring, uh, rising tennis star. There's no better interview in tennis than my good friend Prak. You know, he gets <laughs> he gets the best out of everybody. And, and Rublev, I've been following since he was very young. He was a junior phenom, and he's coached by my good friend Fernando Vicente, who was an awesome player himself. And, and Rublev, he was on his way up before until he had the back injury. You know, mm -hmm. He had a stress fracture in the back. He was out for quite a bit. And I feel, you know, it made him do a recount and reanalyze his position. And he's come back stronger than ever starting 2020 with two titles. Yes, the first title in Doha, he didn't beat anybody, you know, exceptional because they were playing in the ATP Cup. You know, most of his opponents were between 50 and 80 in the world. But then he won again. And then I was surprised by the loss in the Australian Open. But he's coming on strong, he's got the game, and if he manages to improve that second serve, which has been his his weakness, his Achilles heel, I mean, he'll definitely be in the top ten in the next couple of months. Let's see if he can stay. I love the fact that he was upset that he wasn't in the on the ATP Cup roster. That you know the way that's it worked, a rough like, one though. He, he just missed it, but he used that. You know, he's like, okay, I'm going to show you guys. I'm going to play well. I'm going to dominate Doha, which he did. Kept it going. Uh, I think. Given his weapons, given his serve, and how how much flatter and harder he's hitting the ball, this looks like a future Grand Slam champion to me. He's 23 years old, and I think he's got that potential, which I don't really throw around lightly. I, I think Rublev has the ability to win majors. Uh, the rise has been good. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in, I'm encouraged to see how he does, and if going into you know the hardcourt season in Miami and Indian Wells, if he's a major player in the Sunshine Double. Wow, wow, wow. That's a that's a big statement, I man. I, you you, you, you threw yourself it. into the pool there, huh? Well, we've only but, got a few no, Grand Slam champions. You no, know, you're so, right. Yeah. You're right. You know, he he's up there. He will be a top tenner. He will have, you know, that seed up way up high in the in the major and uh that will benefit him greatly. But, you know, has he conquered his temper mm -hmm. in the big in the big stage because he has won the, the tournaments with all due respect to, to tournaments. I never even dreamed of, of winning, but in the slams, it's different pressure. It's three out of five. It's, you know, every other day and you're playing the big guns and, and you're playing history and let's see, you know, if his temperament doesn't get in the way. He's Russian. He's very Russian and, and he can lose it sometimes. I just hope his confidence carry him, you know, far and, far enough into the tournaments where, where he, his game and his head click 
but I'm with you. He certainly has the strokes. ATP finals this year? Is he going to make, do you think he can get there? Well, he, he certainly has one, one leg to the table. He, he has to play well in the slams, which, you know, because of the point situation, that's where the big points are. So I would say that he didn't play particularly well in Australia, third round only. And, and when you're talking, this is, you know, talking about the, the real cream of the crop here about ATP Cup. He needs to reach a semifinals in one of the four majors to be able to to get his hopes up okay. towards uh, towards the ATP Cup. So we're still in February, man. Come possible. on. I know. I'm, you know we like to look ahead <laughs> a little bit to this stuff, but very possible as well here on the TC Live podcast with Nico Pereira. On a more serious note, there was uh, a big story uh, about a doubles team. Robert Farah uh, had the drug issue. Uh, tested positive uh, for the anabolic steroid Boldenona. I said that right there. Uh, but his test was overturned. Tainted meat was a result. He's eligible to come back. TC Live had a great discussion on this. Lindsay Davenport, Paul Anacone, and Steve Weissman breaking down the decision to overturn the suspension and what it means for Farah going forward uh, with his partner and with his reputation here now on the TC Live podcast. This is great news for Robert Farah. The world number one in doubles will not be banned. Will come back to the ATP Tour next week in Rio. Uh, his account of how the banned substance entered his uh, system was accepted. It was determined that he bears no fault or negligence for the violation. So he was provisionally suspended here, was not able to go to Australia with Juan Sebastian Cabal. How about the process here? The fact that, okay, he takes this test in October. They, they find something in his urine. It's, it's out there that you did a banned substance, you're, you're suspended, and now they say, oh, we accept it, you're fine, you're back. But your name's kind of been tainted, no? Well, I don't know. It's been interesting. For some players, it takes months. For other players, it, it seems like that was right, so right, yeah. fast for him. From what I read is mom had receipts of meat she purchased from a cattle ranch that then told the authorities that they used these banned substances in the meat, and he was very diligent of, of, of his process and how it got into his system. They accepted that sooner. That You have other players that you hear for months and months. You don't hear anything. The process is much longer. I think overall it's fantastic news, and there was some real doubt that he'd be able to play in the Olympics and all of that. Um, but I think you have to be transparent in this day and age. You can't have players disappearing. There was periods years ago where players would disappear and you'd hear rumors, oh, they're serving a silent ban and they don't want a bad name for our sports so they don't say anything. Whether that's true or not, I think that being upfront is the right way. I, hopefully now people don't even mention that with his name when they talk about him and, and his legacy. You think they could do it where um, they actually – bring the player back before before they suspend them they let the player rebut the situation before anything is announced do you let them play during that time would yeah. you let them play in australia yeah, yeah. You, like before they decide what they're going to do instead of this have such a quick turnaround yeah. he loses a chance to win another to win a major right and 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 now you talked about perhaps a tainted name why don't you let them why doesn't the gov why why don't they get the the judgment to the player the player go wait a second here's what's going on then they can figure it out what they're going to do and then there's no scenario where either side has an ambiguity attached to it. I think that's it. fine if it goes as quick as this case well, did. Why, but yeah, but why did it? How I is don't that, know. Yeah. I don't know. It seems like we're still Nicholas Steve, when you have the answers to all this, can you just <laughs> yeah. let us know? No, I, I think that's, that's the way to go, though. You get, let both sides do their but thing. But you got to really work. you right. got to move gotta get, that you got to work. Yeah. No, do your just job. Quickly. <laughs> yeah. just, exactly. just do your job. Go yeah. Bill Belichick and everything will be okay. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so Robert Farah reinstated. Now, this was a guy that with John Sebe- Juan Sebastian Cabal won both Wimbledon and the U.S. Open in doubles last year. Missed the Aussie Open this year because of the suspension. And they got into the good debate about this, where is his reputation a little tarnished or a little beat up by a fact that he did have to sit out on a suspension and an an appeal that was vindicated. Nico, it's a tough one. It's a tough one for the tennis governing body. I like the fact that they took their time and reinstated him, but I understand the frustration. Now you're feeling like, wait, I was reinstated. Why did I have to miss a major out of my prime to begin with? Well, first and foremost, I know Robert Farah since he was a kid and I, you know, I know his family. I'm a good friend of, of his sister and I know Juan Sebastián Cabal very well for for many years and these guys are people of character they are competitors in the good sense of the word and i truly i am truly glad that this situation turned out the way it did Uh, my point is why don't you wait if you're the governing body why don't you wait into until everything is presented give the player a chance to present before you make it public because you are right his name is associated in, in, in the internet. If you if you try and, and look up Robert Farah, uh, positive, you know, banning right, it's substance, gonna right it's going to come up. And, and that's unfair to the guy. Because nine Olympic athletes from Colombia had the same issue with the governing body. And it is something that is common knowledge in, in Latin America. Yes, he made a mistake in, in not checking. But you're on vacation, off-season, you've won two slams, you are the number one player in the world, you're with the family, they invite you to, to a, a cookout, and it, it just happens. It, it proved that it was, it was that, and, and I just feel bad about Robert that that came out that way. Now, being reinstated, I'm sure the lawyers made him sign something that he's not going <laughs> to be able to sue anybody because all he wants yeah. is to be able to play his game and to represent his country in this being an Olympic year, especially, mm-hmm. and then, you know, having a great chance to win a medal for Colombia is going to be huge. And I know how much that means for, to him, his family, his partner, and, and his country, and the whole continent of Latin America. So to answer your question, I, I think it could have been handled differently, but I am extremely glad that uh, that's been cleared up and we're going to see Robbie on the court. Right. Uh, I think the timing of it, it's very unfortunate because they were playing the best tennis of their life together. Like they were the best doubles team in the world. They were the team to beat. I understand that these processes take time, but I completely agree with you. I think that it got out publicly and they suspended him immediately without filing the appeal. I almost wish that in these situations, there should be like almost like an injunction. Like you can play until we figure out what what's happened here to the bottom of this because he missed a major. And these guys were riding high and won the last two in doubles. So I understand the process, and this goes this goes above and beyond the Ferris situation, that the appeals process can be a long, arduous process and that they have a policy in place, fairly or unfairly, Nico, that you have to sit out when you get suspended, even if you're in appeal. So that was the unfortunate part. But at the end of the day, he got vindicated. It sucks that he was dragged through the mud in all this. 
but it will go down to the records that he was vindicated. I think that at least is a silver lining in all this. No, I'm with you 100%. And he was the one that came forward and said, listen, suspend me now so I can have time. If you only suspend me for six months to play in Tokyo, he was, Mm -hmm. you know, out in front of this one. He hired the best team possible. They proved it in record time. And I'm just really glad that the situation is clear. We'll see some good doubles tennis coming up for him, we hope. And then the Olympics, too. I think they're, they're going to be the favorites or one of them to uh, win a medal. Definitely a medal for Colombia. Uh, last, uh, last segment on the TC Live podcast before we preview the weekend here with Nico Pariah and Mitch Michaels on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. A little more fun story, Vasek Pospisil. He's got a little new uh, tradition that he's trying to do. He's been uh, drinking maple syrup at the changeover. TC Live gets into that with Paul Anacone, Steve Weissman, and Lindsey Davenport breaking down how this started and if this actually is helpful for Pospisil, who's playing some pretty good tennis here now on the TC Live podcast. Where on earth do you get the idea for maple syrup? Yeah, well, you know what? Like, I, I, I love maple syrup. I'm a huge, I'm a huge <laughs> maple syrup guy. I mean, I, I didn't even realize, you know, I, I didn't expect it. I just, after the match last week, I saw it blew up. And, it, and then it kind of hit me that it was actually really funny because I'm Canadian. And I was like, yeah, it's actually hilarious. And, but I didn't think anything of it because I, I, I use maple syrup every day. I travel with it. I, I, I eat it, you know, use it religiously for breakfast. And, and then, uh, yeah, and it's really good for you. And I actually, you know, did some research online that it's, uh, that it's quite good for, for endurance sports. So I thought, you know, I'll give it a go. And, and I love it. So I'll, I think I'll be, I'll be sticking with that for a little bit. <laughs> all right, well, j- just for all the possible still fans out there that yeah. might want to go give it a try, it's just a maple syrup. You don't have any pancakes or anything hidden in your bag or anything. Uh, uh, that's for post-match uh, celebration. <laughs> yeah, so I can't, I can't reveal all the secrets, guys. You know, just. Uh... <laughs> that, that's just awesome. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Look what we got for you. We've got, we've got 100% pure maple syrup because, you know, we want to ride the wave. Here you go, Lindsay. St- <laughs> Steve, Paul? Steve downed one Paul of these before I, the show. And, Paul, you know, we're halfway through, so just, you know. Paul, come on. I'm I don't tra- even use syrup. Quit. Oh, it's so good. I don't even use it with plantain. That's so good. Conglomerate. You don't like it? Uh, Paul, come on. You're going to be running around pancakes. here in a second. <laughs> love it on my pancakes. Waffles? Waffles. Waffles are just pancakes with abs, I read. Do you feel like you uh, want to do some push-ups now? I can. <laughs> I won't, I'll save everybody from that. But how about this one? Seventh top ten win. <laughs> Biggest win. Did you really drink that? I did. I'll have some more. Since he beat Andy Murray. We're not going to get through the show now. Back in 2017 at Indian Wells. Like, I'm the most hyped one up here, and I'm drinking the syrup. Yeah. You Uh, need that. That's what you need is some more maple syrup. Uh, How do do you get it done, Paul? I'll tell you what. Pospisil has had such a great track back. You know, he's playing such terrific tennis. And he is a really good indoor player. He's got good offensive uh, weapons with his game, real good server, very athletic. And now that he's confident, he really believes it. Um, I think the thing that's going to be – kind of a tell to see how high it can go is how much maple syrup is left <laughs> in the set. Is that what you want me to say? Steve? No, I, it, the secret's out there. Do you think other people are going to start putting maple well, syrup? Hold on. We saw Novak a couple years ago with the dates. <laughs> yeah. That didn't really... Didn't catch if, on. If that doesn't catch on, right. I'm not sure this will. Novak barely what loses a match. What if dates and maple syrup? That's a, That's a sweet combo. Now, yeah. we're, talking. <laughs> now we're talking, guys. Um, we, I mean, we saw Bianca Andreescu, you know, retweet. Pospisil. I mean, it's, it's very Canadian. I That's said, where we get most of our best uh, maples. Vermont, Canada. Coming up. 
I sent the sponsorship deal coming. LB. TC Lab presented uh, Tums and maple syrup. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You might need some Tums after the maple syrup. I, I don't know. It's important to know Vasek Pospisil, uh, all syrup jokes aside, is on a nice little run here, making the Montpellier final, losing to Monfils. Five and three in 2020, Nico. He only won six tour matches all of last year. And next week, we'll crack the top 100 again for the first time in quite a while. So Pospisil's playing better. Got to say, this is a first, though, for me. Never seen anybody chug syrup on the side of uh, in the tennis court or any sport in general. Well, syrup aside, I made, met with him in, in May last year in the Rome tournament for, for some ATP business, and he had just you know started recuperating from a very tough back surgery. So the fact that he didn't win many matches, I don't see it's very relevant. He played his way back into shape. That's, that's what he said was his plan. He was, he's a very, very extremely smart person, mm -hmm. and he combined the training with the playing not to be out for so long, and he's finally in his, in his fighting way. So it doesn't strike me as odd. Yes, when he beat Shapovalov in, in the early goings there in Montpellier, you, you could see that he was playing well. And he got to that final loss to, to Monfils, but then he comes back and, and beats some top players, you know, the week after. So so it it's not strange for me, or it doesn't surprise me that he's playing that well. He is inspired, and being out of the game sometimes brings the best in players. And and then if we go into the syrup situation, <laughs> it, it seems to be working. I actually saw a couple upstairs in our studio. So in the changeovers, we were taking yeah, we were, some of that. We yeah. were taking some, some syrup to see if we got <laughs> we got some better results uh, up in the booth. And <laughs> it seems to be working. <laughs> little little sugar high for sure. Uh, playing his way back into shape is true. Medvedev is another win. He beat him pretty handily as yeah. well. A top five win there, or top ten win there, I should say. Uh, so it's good. And playing yourself back into shape might be something for guys like Jack Soccer, players that or trying to break back in uh, to the mainstay in tennis. What do you think the craziest thing you've ever seen or even tried yourself was in terms of like an energy boost? We saw Sinner eat a carrot last year. I've seen some athletes like hockey players and something eat packets of mustard. Anything crazy to try to get an energy boost? Oh, definitely. I used to have Coca-Cola all the time in, in changeovers when I needed that boost, you know, up a break in the third tire, you need a couple more holds and you're over the line and boom, here we go. Hey, bring me that, that Coke with ice, please. You know, and that, that was... That was something regular, and, and then my good friend Andres Gomez once was in the finals of Barcelona against, I think it was Lendl. I, I want to say it was Lendl, and, and he was, you know, getting the total Lendl treatment. He getting beat down, set, break down, and Methodical then, and then he moves towards the, the sideline on a shot that he was taking out of the court, and, and somebody was having an ice cream and gave it to him, and he had a bit of an ice cream, and, you know, Lo and behold, the guy comes back and, and wins the match, and that was the year he won Roland Garros. Wow. So, so that was that ice cream. That guy should frame it. Absolutely, absolutely. I think I saw Serena take an espresso once. Too. Oh, no, no, espresso! You just get no, that coffee, going. coffee. Yeah. It's, it's regular. Yeah. Well, hey, we're on the lookout for anything that'll help all of us, even us podcasting and hosting. So, yeah, maybe syrup and. We'll see. We'll oh, you got the trying. figs that are you know in vogue right now after Novak so successfully. Has, has tried them, and Milos, that would try anything to get better, and, you know, um, it's all fair. And so those are those are the stuff, the stuff, the sort of stuff that we know. Absolutely. Well, a couple of things to uh, tie up here on the Tennis Channel Live podcast with Nico Pereira. The weekend, what we have to uh, look forward to, we're recording this on Friday. Some big tennis coming up for both the men and the ladies, starting with the women in St. Petersburg. We do have the semifinal set. Uh, it's going to be Sakari who beat benches today versus Rybakina. 
who's just 20 years old and ranked 25th. And then it's going to be Alex Androva, who beat Kvitova in a walkover, who's been one of the hottest players all year on the women's tour, taking on Kiki Burtons, who did come back and win in a second set tie break. Uh, remarkable stuff for the defending St. Petersburg champion. So that's the women's semifinal there. Russia tournament, I mean, it's interesting. You see the, the pomp and circumstance, a lot of dancers, a lot of ceremony, but <laughs> some good tennis being played and some upsets there. Oh, it's definitely. Maria Sakari has surprised me. She was, you know, down a set in a break, couldn't play. Her coach, Tom Hill, comes in and tells her, just let her beat you. Don't don't beat yourself. I can't play on this court. The typical tennis player rant, the negative rant. And then she was down 5-2, two, two breaks in the third set, ends up coming back, and that was in the first round. And she ends up, you know, in the semifinals against Arriba Kina, as you mentioned, 20 years young, and she can really hit the ball, ranked 25th in the world. She's playing some ball. I'm going to go with Arriba Kina on that one. And wow. then Alex okay. Alexandrova, who had a, a walkover, a default over Kivitova that was not feeling well, can also hit a beautiful forehand. She's ranked number number 28. But I'm going to go with Burton's to okay. defend her title. Match tough. She's very, oh, very she's, she's in looking good. shape. And she battles hard. We saw it today. I also kind of think, just a quick opinion if you have one, on the fact that the fact that Alexandrova didn't play today might not be a good thing. Like, I think I think you want to play a match, get ready to play, get into that mindset of quarterfinal, semifinal. So, we'll see. I mean, I think I think Burton's having that match today, having that adversity, I think that might be a good thing for her. We're, we're about to find out. <laughs> we will find out. <laughs> uh, the Rotterdam men's matches. Uh, we got Monfils, Rublev still alive in their quarterfinals, playing separate matches today. The semifinal we know is going to happen is Pablo Karina Busta taking on Felix. Both guys were in extraordinarily tough matches today. Karina Busta saved some match points, beat Yannick Sinner, the 18-year-old who had a top-10 win, uh, who had the win over David Gofan. But that should be a fun one. I like to see Pablo playing as steady as he is, and you mentioned Rublev playing so well with Monfils, the veteran who's made a final for 15 straight years on tour. Some well, good talent there. Pablo was top 10 in 2017, then had that injury for 10 weeks in 2018, just right after or during the, the South American tour. So he could not play. It took him a while to recover. He was down to number 67, 70 in the world. And, and now he's back into inside the top 30 with this result. He was, he's going to be well inside the top 30. I expect him to be back knocking on the door of the top 10. So I'm going to go with him over Felix. That is playing well, but has having some issues with the with the second serve. And when he gets those yips in the second serve, mm -hmm. then he starts having issues in the rest of his game. He's not over yet, but I feel he's, you know, well on his way to get over you know, that problem. Monfils is looking solid. I mean, he is looking together. Even the haircut, you know, for <laughs> Gael is looking good. Um, Rublev, as we talked earlier, is on a tear, so that should be an interesting semifinals. The winner of that should, you know, keep the title in Rotterdam. Pablo or Felix in a final, probably against Rublev or Monfils. We got some good, that'll be oh, a no. good final. And, Definitely. Uh, no, the, the field in Rotterdam was fantastic. Richard Krejcik has to be happy. You know, he's kicking himself that, <laughs> that Medvedev and Tsitsipas <laughs> lost early, but, you know, the tennis is good. Absolutely. Monfils, the hair, I like it. It kind of keeps everyone on their toes and fresh and watch every out. time. Uh, and then the last term, I want to talk about the New York Open in Long Island. Matches going on right now. Uh, Opelka's playing very well. We've had upsets there with Isner going out yesterday. That was the most recent one. Ke Kevin Anderson losing as well. Look at Opelka. Kyle Edmonds playing well. Umbert as well, the French kid that we both love. So I'm looking at probably Opelka to have a great chance of defending his title. 
But I, I would I would look at some of the other ones, and Bear just took the first set as we do this over Kekmanovic. So uh, I think there's some good matches and a good final brewing in that one too. I like Opelka. You know, I'm a big fan. Jay Berger has been working with him, and, and, and I like the way he goes about his business. He's serious. He's He works hard. He understands his limitations, and he's working on them, and he understands his pluses, and, he you know, he really leans on them. So I, I like I like his future. You know, I, I think it's cool. And I like Kyle Edmund as well. He's working with my good friend, uh, Franco Davin, who stopped after three years with, with Fabio Fognini with great results. And, and then Edmund gave Franco a call at the end of, of last season, and they got together in, in Kiwi's game. So expect good things from, from Kyle this season. I tell you, he had an off year in 2019, but he will come he will come back strong. Opelka's moving well, too. I mean, for a yes. seven-footer, he, awesome. can, he can move out That's there. great to watch. It's fun. I can't wait for all this. Nico Pereira, thanks for joining the Tennis Channel Live podcast. This is our month, February. This is our this is our month of tennis. Don't yeah. let anybody tell you out there there's not good tennis. I love it. February, man. This is the month. A lot of good friends have the birthday. And today, Valentine's Day. Man. What are you doing? Oh, uh, I can't. I don't know if I can <laughs> disclose that on here. But it is Valentine's Day. Thanks to Nico Pereira for joining the Tennis Channel Live podcast. We'll be back next week with another episode on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. For Nico Pereira, I'm Mitch Michaels. Thank you for listening to this week's show.